Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, tour cars and bikes if it has wheels and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport hello everybody it's just after eight o'clock and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. I'm John Hangup uh, and live from Hangup Towers tonight, uh, looking across at the meadow, just to the left, huge tree fell down yesterday in the wind, a bit scary, rattled the house uh, and it's still blocking a bit, the fact that it's a little bit come down today, I've noticed that, it's just come down, it's going to have the axe in a moment and uh, that's the tree, by the way, it's nothing to do with anyone walking their dogs. Uh, it is Midweek Motorsport and tonight, stop it. Tonight, it is uh, Series 10, Episode 23. That would be correct. And uh, apparently the bed is a bit high, Tim. Really? To the point that nobody can hear me. Really? Yes! No, that's not right. Um, well, nobody's going to hear me in a moment. Anyway, let's crack on. Let's lose the bed completely. And uh, we will crack on at just after 8 o'clock. So this is Series uh, 10, Episode 23. It's Wednesday the 3rd of June, the one before the big race. Hopefully uh, you can hear me uh, back at home now. Uh, And tonight a little bit different, uh, but not different enough that we don't still have our executive producer, Tim Gray, up in London. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And uh, on a packed programme tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features. Yes. Uh, we have a game show, because Nick Damon was bemoaning the fact that we haven't had a Good game point. show for a while. Yes, he was. That is very true. Uh, Graham Goodwin will be joining us. Yeah, oh, From dillysportscar.com, from obviously. Shed. Yes. From the shed. Yeah. And uh, Marshall Poole will be joining us as well. He will, from the left-hand coast of the US, as he's packing an extra pair of socks, getting ready to come to Europe. I'm almost certainly... Uh, I'm certain about that. Uh, and first of all, we need to do a bit of housekeeping um, with some... Uh, with some apologies, uh, ex- for apologies, yes. Uh, rotation says, um, I've been detached to Monza to pick up bits of Formula 3 cars. I'll be back in eight months. Very good. Uh, gearing up for the big race next week, say the guys at Tora uh, and uh, another Tora radio show coming up soon as well. Simon Spooner says, non-attendance tonight. This week I'll be uh, covering the final... Two and a half hour stint of the eight and a half journey, hour journey to Lasart. Okay, so he's ah, I see. So he's keeping it until Saturday. So Simon, good luck on that last two hours. You'll be going by Alinson this evening uh, down the road there. Presuming you're coming down from the the panel uh, the channel ports. Uh, Ollie Wiley says we'll be sitting trackside this time next week. Well, that's not an apology for action though. Uh, live for the first time says Neil Baum. No apologies for absence tonight, because my commute tomorrow 
will be Le Mans warm-up rerun. Ah, very good. I see what he's done there. Apologies for Afton's final planning for the boys' Le Mans 24 road trip, says Kilvey. Snap McKill tonight. I'm in Bremen, uh, attending a conference hosted by the FAA on fire safety, says Thomas Pitts. We have some really well-connected listeners uh, on the collective. Uh, back at the airport, says Alexander Orkin. Uh, interesting discussions with Vysak, with added car noise in the background. Shh, he says. Uh, Simon Hoff says, apologies, having dinner with parents before road trip to Le Mans next week. I will catch the podcast. Hello, Simon. Good for that. And uh, also apologies for uh, absence as they have delayed my flight back to Blighty, uh, says Alexander. That was a second from him then. So good. Keep them coming in. Uh, apologies for absence. Currently lifeguarding a pool, says Ross Agnew. But it's a pool full of, pool full of scuba divers. It's a bit pointless because they're the ones with the air tanks. <laughs> That's a like. Fantastic. Very good. Why can't good. you listen to the radio while you're being a lifeguard? Uh, yes. Good, that's a fair point. Well made. Nicely presented. Uh, so anyway, there we are. Let's keep them coming in. I'm trying to catch up with them uh, at the moment. Simon Mayo, once again on BBC Radio 2. Um, and I, I suspect Nick Bailey has had something to do with this. Had a, uh, Danny Watts on. Had He had uh, Danny Watts talking about Le Mans uh, earlier on this afternoon. And uh, the Twitter sphere has gone mad with why he's not playing so she sells sanctuary uh, to that uh, I think Peter Dumbrecht was on a few weeks ago before the Nürburgring at 24 Neil Haken says finally I've got an opportunity to uh, listen to a midweek motorsport live recalcitrant has to go on my radio and I'm on bingo card uh, if Hindy gets on the Simon Mayo show they says uh, okay let's keep them coming in and uh, hopefully the volume levels are up a little bit. Uh, Tim, where would you like to start tonight? We're going to start with some Formula One news. So I'd like to introduce our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Tim. You sound a little different are today, Nick. Are you women here today? Yes, I'm, I'm wearing quite tight pants tonight. Uh, you may you have always noticed. do, Nick. <laughs> you may but have noticed. This, you also sound rather isn't. more Canadian than Nick. <laughs> Yes, this, in fact, is not Nick Damon. Are there any women here today? Uh, it is, in fact, Shea Adam, who has joined us tonight. Nick is on special assignment in Scandawija. Can't uh, tell you where. Uh, other I than can. Other <laughs> He's uh, he, He's in Oslo. Yeah, where there's no internet. Apparently. apparently. Uh, he hasn't apologised for being absent. No, he did earlier. Oh, he did, OK. Yes. And uh, if anyone is listening in Oslo... Uh, then that's proof that there is uh, internet in o- Oslo, and therefore Nick is lying. Ooh, good point, Tim. That's a good. Anybody in Oslo? So if you're tweet listening now, in Oslo, at Spectatement at Radio Le immediately, please. That, that's a very good point. I like that. Uh, so we're starting with Formula One. Why are we starting with Formula One? They can't possibly be. Oh, hang on. Ha, oh, I know. Of course, I realise a world sporting leader with delusions of grandeur who thinks he can control the whole world from his empire has has retired. Oh, no, that was Seth Platter, wasn't it? Yeah. Damn it. Uh, why are we talking about Formula One then this week? Uh, because uh, a country um, that's sort of halfway between us and Nick right now yeah. uh, has a hero vacuum. Hang on, a country between halfway between us here in the in the UK, yeah, and Nick in Oslo, yeah, 
what, the northeast of England? Hawley Island. Scotland. You might need to go on a little curved trip. Uh, okay. <laughs> Holland? No, north. Uh, Denmark. Holland. Denmark. Uh, De- Denmark. Denmark has okay. a hero vacuum, according to Ron Dennis. Really? Yes. Because uh, since uh, Tom Christensen retired, uh, no one's taken his place. Well, you see, that's apparently obviously not true because the car's not running around with just two people in it. <laughs> yeah. In in the in the hearts of the Danish people. Hang on. So, sorry, Tom Christensen said this. No, oh, Ron Dennis um, said this. Ron Dennis has said this. Did he not pay attention to the Dane train winning Le Mans GTM last year? They or... obviously haven't captured the hearts and minds of the Danish people. <laughs> David Hennemeyer Hansen. Yeah. Jan Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen is the yes. reason that Ron Dennis has called on Danish businesses to get behind him. Ah, well, this is... And you make see, I'm sorry. the new motorsport hero. Right, no, no, hey. sorry. This is a cynical ploy from Ron Dennis to try and get more money in to McLaren so that he doesn't have to employ Stoffel van Dorn. Because, effectively, he's putting Kevin out of a job by being able to employ Stoffel van Dorn for a lot cheaper. Unless, of course, there's a shed load of uh, Danish krona that makes its way to walking. They do use a euro in Denmark. Oh, I'm not sure they do. I think they pretend to. <laughs> what, they use a lot money. of them as well, because they're really <laughs> okay. expensive it's everywhere really... in Denmark. Well, um, OK. See, if they were in pounds, they'd be much better off. Much better off indeed. So, uh, do you not think, though, Nick, surely? Uh, uh, Shay? Yes, yes, Shay. yes. Yes, can you? Yes. Are there any women here? Shall I start singing as well? I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> um, you do need a stick on beard, though. Oh, I do. Just Carol as... Brink, get on that, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you not think this is just a cynical ploy by Ron to try and get more money into McLaren? Oh, absolutely it is. <laughs> it's trying to draw more attention to the fact that they have a very skilled driver who's not driving their cars right now. Mm hmm. It, it's a shame for Kevin, and to say that there's a vacuum of Danish talent, it, which is effectively what he's saying. No, I don't think he no, said that. Not. He just said that uh, there was no Danish hero. Oh, I, I would put Jan Magnussen in that category. He's a guy who you forget how many times he's won the Mar, won Sebring, now won Daytona. He's beyond skilled in terms of being a Danish driver, and he still drives cars in. Denmark, he does stock cars racing over there on the weekends mm. for fun and cleans up. He does everything, though, doesn't he? Yes. I'm not sure we can use that. <laughs> what? Ronnie Tyler. Yes, very good. Very good. So Ron Dennis is, in fact, holding out for a Danish hero, is he? Pretty much. I, I just, I, I'm in the mood tonight to pepper. For dancing. I, no, that would be the Norlands. I'm in the mood <laughs> to pepper the show with uh, musical references because Nick's not here. Um, I, mm, okay, moving on. Uh, when Nick was here a couple of weeks ago, yes, uh, we discussed the uh, latest uh, outpourings of the Formula One strategy group. Yes. And what did we uh, say about the Formula One strategy group. It was, it was um, uh, mostly harmless, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> think we, that's being kind. Well, we, it was. It was. It was a bit like Earth's uh, Earth's entry in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
The strategy group, mostly harmless. So the answer is. Uh, oh, no, it was mostly useless, wasn't mostly it? Mostly useless, useless. Yeah. yes. Okay, sorry. Yes. Who, who else uh, thinks uh, that the uh, F1 strategy group should be axed? Axed? Yes. Ooh. Um, the F1 strategy group. Yes, we think we're, <laughs> we think we're useless. Uh, Christian Horner. Christian Horner, key member of the F1 strategy group. And it should be asked, asked because, and I quote, and I'm guessing here because I don't know, we all go into a room, we all have our own agendas, we all fight our own corners, nobody gives way, and it's all just a bit of a waste of time. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> who, who, who agrees He is with dancing him? now. John is dancing. Oh, uh, I agree. Uh, we do, yes. <laughs> Who agrees Jerry with Halliwell. Red Bull boss uh, Christian Horner? Uh, um, Master Search. Mercedes no. boss Toto Wolff? Toro Rosso boss Franz oh. Toast. Oh, of course he does. Franz Toast, yes. Uh, uh, I like a bit of Toast. He said uh, the strategy group will never come up with a proper solution. Uh, uh, who said that? Franz Toast. Which okay. uh, tyre manufacturer uh, yep. representative has jumped on the... Uh, Playing with uh, Toast and Horner. Uh, manufacturer representative. Are any? No. Uh, it's Pirelli's Paul Hembury. Oh, has Ooh. he? Has he really? In any Did sport, he... it shouldn't be the competitors that are involved in deciding change. No, oh, well, I think he's. I think there's something to be said for that. What does Bernie Eccleston think? Uh, Bernie Eccleston thinks if I can make more money out of it, I don't really care. We should stop mucking around asking people for their opinions. <laughs> Listen, well, the only person's opinion uh, that is inter- that I'm interested in is mine, sir. But in fairness, he does like a little piece of toast. Uh, he's a big fan of uh, of Red Bull. Um, no, he's only interested in his own opinion. Isn't that true? Uh, the problem is we're running something that's too democratic, and Jean just won't go along with it. It, it technically means Jean taught there. Yes. Mm. What a farce. Who happens to be the elected president? Yes. Mm. Uh, Anders Dahl says motorsport is very small in Denmark. Unhappy face. Most people only know Tom K, Kevin, and maybe Jan Magnussen. Uh, and Jan isn't driving in F1, so doesn't exist for F1 team bosses. Ooh, None of them fair. are driving in F1 at the moment. Well, that, well yeah. and that's the issue, isn't it? That is the issue. Tom, Tom is uh, not driving at all because he's retired. Uh, Jan is not driving professionally. Okay, yes, he, he does, do, he does go to the supermarket and uh, and uh, and Kevin just drives simulators, car simulators presumably. Well, McLaren simulators, yeah. Oh yes, okay. And uh, stands at the back of the garage with the headphones on. Uh, Ed C says apologies for absence saving up so I have the podcast to listen to as I travel to Le Mans. Hello to everybody who's travelling to Le Mans this weekend because there's a there's, uh, looks like there's going to be a collective meetup somewhere at or near Le Mans this weekend to watch the Canadian Grand Prix on Sunday. We, we've had a lot of Twitterage uh, and a bit of Facebooking on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective. And uh, keep an eye open for that because uh, it looks like Sunday night there's going to be enough of us around to find somewhere to go and watch the uh, the, the Formula One Grand Prix. I was assuming that everybody was getting it wrong and thinking it was next weekend, but it seems there's a heck of a lot of you going down very early to go and take in scrutineering on Sunday and Monday. In fact, 
there are people already there now listening. But if you're saving the podcast, good luck on your way down to Le Mans. And Sunday night, check the Facebook if you can. Uh, you, you, we might be able to uh, hook everybody up. So that, that would be fantastic stuff. Can we go too? Yes, that's the whole point. Excellent. Who is going on a salad-only diet? Nico Hulkenberg. No. Um... Uh, Mark Webber doesn't eat carbs, so how We're about still him? We're talking about Formula One. All right, okay. okay. Um, Formula One, Formula One. Who's big drivers in? Daniel Ricciardo. No. That not Danny Rick? Uh, Pastor Maldonado. No, no he could, obviously couldn't have pasta. Ah, true. That would be true. Cool. Um, we give up. Roberto Mary. Really? Because he thinks that's what's the, diff- the the issue with these... Uh... He thinks the fact that he's been out-qualified by Will Stevens on every single Grand Prix so far this season is because he weighs 11 kilos more. Mm. Well... Yes, that, that would do it. He is that four is... inches taller as well. Oh. He's not fat, he's big-boned, remember that. <laughs> that that is the, the difference. If you eat salad only, that's the difference. Five seconds a lap to the front of the grid. Yeah, that makes I sense. I don't think it's the five seconds to the front of the no, grid, in fairness. Teammate. To his teammate, it's a couple of tenths, isn't it? Yes. Um, sorry, I was just looking around for a drink that hasn't arrived yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you need a new right. waitress. Yeah. Don't be careful. Uh, so, mm, yes, okay. So, I'm on a very strict diet at the moment uh, for my racing career. And in fact... In fairness, my jeans are hanging on us at the moment. I was going to say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thought it wise not to. But you don't have to starve yourself to lose weight. No. In fact, it's better if you eat more, smaller portions. And, and I found out today that the key to losing weight quickly and healthily, and I've seen Shea's workout regime now, is dad dancing. Dancing like your dad at a disco in 1974. Uh, that She was doing that outside today in some kind of weird... Kind of at one with the the whole world. What was that called? It was called P90X Plyo. Mm. And Plyo Day is painful. I assure you it was not dad dancing, although it may have looked like that when I was on my breaks. Mm. <laughs> but yes, John, if, if you do some dad dancing, yeah, you'll you'll get that uh, 11 kilo advantage on your teammate no before problem. you know it. Alan Prosser uh, points out that, uh, that uh, Will Stevens' advantage is because his teammate, all he does is eat, drink and be merry. Of course, which is very good. That goes straight to the top of the class on Specutainment and at uh, Radio Le Mans. Uh, And you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 10, episode number 23 this week, isn't it? The one before the big race. Um, The one before 24. 24 at the 24 this week. We've worked that nicely. Do you see what we did there? I do. Well done. Normally, Le Mans is normally the 24th weekend of the year and we've been pretty close to that this year and getting our numbers right now don't forget that's going to be earlier than usual because we'll be right in the middle of qualifying so next week it is one o'clock uk excuse me one o'clock french French time time, midday midday uk which is going to put it in the morning hours if you are in the west coast 7 a.m 7 a.m. and a very... Um, Sorry, um, that's for the east coast of the states. Uh, east uh, east and, coast uh, of the states, yeah. 5, 4 a.m. if you're on the west coast. Sorry, Carol and everybody on the left coast. Um, but there will be repeats and there will be a there podcast. There will be a podcast. Uh, as well. The and repeat will be even more unsociable because it's going it? to be at uh, 11.30 p.m. in the UK, which is... 
Uh, midnight 30 in France. Yeah, but that'll be fine on the left coast. Yes. That's a, that's a great time. Eight hours back, that's half past midday, isn't it? That's half past, past eleven. Four. Okay, I can't do them. Still but, works. Okay, it's anyway, it's better. Uh, we'll be talking hence... to um, Graham Goodwin in just a moment. Okay, good, excellent. Uh, one more quick uh, Formula One story. And who thinks Formula One is horrible? Um, now let me see. Who thinks Formula One is horrible? Uh, it's a five-year-old from Leighton Buzzard. No, you're quite close. Don't really. Hmm. Uh, Formula One is horrible, says the Green Party. No, it is a racing driver. It is a racing Ooh. driver, not a Formula One driver. Formula sure. One driver. A Formula One driver says Formula One is horrible. Yes. Ooh. Uh, Jensen Button. Graham Goodwin says, me, me, me. No, it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> not Jensen Button. It's, uh, it's someone younger. Romain Grosjean? Younger. Ooh. Uh, very young, Vishtaman. Older. Lower, <laughs> <laughs> lower, higher, higher. Good game, good game. Um, I give up hope. Carlos Sainz Jr. Really? Yes. Why what does, does he, he think kn- it's horrible? Yes, come on then. Uh, it's not so physically demanding as it was ten years ago. Mentally. How would he know? How would he know? He, <laughs> he was, was a in fetus. Diapers. He was nine. <laughs> he was nine ten years ago. Uh, well, he might still have been in diapers. We don't know. He was a late developer. <laughs> it was just a late developer, right? That's all. He drank too much before he went to bed. Go on. Uh, he now believes that the mental element now makes up the biggest proportion of the challenge for new drivers. You need 20% focus on your driving, he said, and 80% focus on the other stuff. Normally, it's the other way around. What other stuff? The mental well, stuff. A... What other than driving? The mind games. <laughs> oh, the mind games. <laughs> The and I was just a kid from the hood thing and all of that stuff. And where to park your car in the qualifying session. And making mm, sure you look good in your rearview mirrors, of course. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, and working out what your next helmet will be design will be without breaking the rules of changing Ooh. your helmet design. Ooh, so that point. takes up a lot of mental capacity, in fairness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Graham Goodwin is joining us, I believe. Uh, he can do. Let me uh, let me do that for you. Sorry. <laughs> In the meantime, sort of... I'm going to play a jingle. Right. Uh, you might want to turn your volume down because I don't know how loud this is going to be. Right. Our headphones are. Well, it's, it's more to the listener that I worry about. It's well, that's who I was addressing that to. I'm not really bothered about <laughs> your ears, John. Stand by for this. And now from Norwich. It's the Quiz of the Week. week's prizes include this sailing dinghy, which we hope will be to your liking. It's 12 feet long with a fiberglass hull and built-in buoyancy tanks. But now, let's meet the man with the questions of the money, Nicholas Parsons. It's the Quiz of the Week from Norwich. Uh, it's deal of the century, mate, that is, isn't it? And uh, Graham Goodwin joins us from uh, his shed. 
Are you going to put me on a quiz straight away? Yes. yes. Clearly. Oh, pity's sake. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Uh, Shay, are you familiar with Dale of the Century? Yes, I've heard it many, many times Excellent. before. Excellent. So she actually listens to the programme. Yes. I don't need to it, explain know. the rules to anyone then. No, no. And we'll no. go straight in with the first one. These are all from the uh, Caterham auction, oh, which has been continuing this week. Mm-hmm. So our first item is five Caterham Formula One gilets, extra large. And we'll start with Shay. <laughs> uh, £3,000. £3,000. <laughs> Do you know what a gilet is? No idea. <laughs> Excellent. John? Um, £50. And Graham? I was, I'd say £48. The winner is John, because it was £50. Oh. Ooh. And now he's doing his dance again. I'm doing my oh, dad stop, dance. Stop. There's another 2,100 uh, calories just gone there. <laughs> <laughs> Item number two. <laughs> Who made the piggy noise? Who made the piggy noise? <laughs> Item number two. Yes? Is uh, an X-Track 7-speed sequential Formula 1 gearbox, serial number 1044RB003, in a green pack horse with two cartons of gearbox ratios, 11 cartons of assorted spare internal components, including hydraulic clutch housing, sundry service parts, clutch plates and friction material, moog valves, uh, service tools together with hydraulic pumps and heat exchange assembly, hydraulic actuation rack and various assembly drawings. And we'll start with Graham this time. Quid. Uh, Shay? What, you mean you wouldn't buy that for your Audi S6 diesel, mate? I mean, come on, it could transform its performance. Let's stick with £3,000. You're just going to say £3,000 for everything. And now, John? I think it's more It's not much use to anybody unless you've got a car to fit it into, is it? That's correct. Uh, and I presume it had the bell housing. I didn't say there what bell housing it had. There was any details on the bell housing? There's no details on that there. No. Mm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say £2,746. And this time Shay gets a point because wow, it was £3,200. Oh. Nearly went through five. I'm annoyed. Uh, next one. An Oz Caterham F1 2014 rear wheel, rear wheel rim brackets severe accident damage. <laughs> <laughs> it is good uh, one making the uh, piggy noise. It is, it is. And we'll ask John and to go first. They had loads of them. They had loads of them. Um, I'm going to say £100. £100, Graham? I'm going to say uh, 120 And Shay? £200. £200. John gets another point. It was £90. Oh. I think when you spot on, by the way. You should get an extra point, but I'm just saying that because I was spot on for the first one. <laughs> okay, so 2-1 to me, and Graham's got nothing. Null point. Excellent. Next item is a Renault Formula 1 manufactured double oh, stop, garage... stop, stop, stop. This is vying for the best tweet of the week. We need a tweet of the week, actually. We do. Tweet of the week is going to become our new thing, and we'll find something to send. Um, the the one that we had earlier was pretty good, but this one from Amp8888, an ex-Formula 1 gearbox up for auction. Well, that'll shift quickly. He's <laughs> here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, well carry on. That's very good. A, a Renault F1 manufactured double garage gantry system with central power Ooh. distribution pod and loose components lying on two pallets. Brackets, <laughs> not set up recently, but believed to be nearly complete. Close brackets. <laughs> it's, like something, it's like something you'd buy for your train set, isn't it? It's like That's a titanium jumble sale. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we'll start again with Shay. Uh, £3,000. £3,000, of course. <laughs> John? Of course. Of course it's £3,000. Uh, I think... Um, see, that might be half useful to somebody. I'm going to say £3,400. And Graham? I'm going to say £3,000. And one pound. Oh. And Graham gets it. <laughs> oh, he's on the board. Uh, oh, it was £3,025. Woo. Yes. Close. Shayna hates me. Graham, you are that person. The Manta Foxtail. The Manta Foxtail is listening in tonight. Now, I don't know if the Manta Foxtail gets the gets the reception on the radio aerial to which it is attached. Mm. Uh, however, is... Very good. Is the sale of the century what Adrian Newey has left Formula One to design? Oh. <laughs> I see what you did there and spelled sale S A I L, of course. Ooh, they'll be we'll be we'll be picking our uh, we'll be picking our tweet of the week later. I like that. Moving on. Eleven tire trolleys. Ooh. And we'll start with uh, Graham with this one. I, I thought that was going to be something like eleven tire trolleys. Ten damaged wheels, <laughs> nine pit stalls. Oh, going out this Eleven tire trolleys. Are we talking the kind of? No, they're um, seven hundred and fifty pounds. Ooh, John, two hundred and fifty pounds. Shay, three thousand pounds. Three thousand pounds. <laughs> Another point for John. Only one hundred and sixty pounds for all ten for all eleven of them. Mm, that's well, a bargain. That's a massive bargain. Yeah. So that's. Uh, less than £16 each. Yes, that's about £14 each. Wow. Next, 10 cartons of used and scrapped brake discs and pads. Mm. And, and it was very clear that these have no useful life as brake discs or pads anymore. No, but you could make them into clocks or memorabilia <laughs> or things like that. You could do. Which, that's, that's what they'll have been bought for, I think. So ten cartons, or of, of course to run on London taxis. Ten cartons of uh, discs <laughs> and pads, and we'll ask Graham to go first. Seventy-five quid, John. Ten cartons. How much in a carton does it say? Doesn't say. The cartons quid. looked quite big. All right, hundred and fifty quid. Uh, sorry, what did you say, Graham? Seventy-five. Yeah. Seventy-five quid. He's actually uh, writing these down on a spreadsheet. You know that. And. I can't do spreadsheets. Shay. 76. 76. Ooh, terrible person. It's another point for John, because they sold for £510. Oh, yes, that's God. right. Someone has spent more than £500, plus VAT, plus the uh, hammer fee, plus delivery, on some used brake discs and pads. And they're all going to turn up as wine racks, clocks, door stops, pieces of art, all of them. Every oh, single oh, one. No, no, John. All on a Mauricio. <laughs> Yes, Marussia getting the upgrade this weekend at, uh, well, oh, there you go. I expect them to go faster <laughs> than. That'll be fantastic. What Marussia are doing are buying all this rubbish. People are saying, who is buying this? Marussia are buying this rubbish to auction off at a profit to try and pay off the debts that they still have. Moving on. An Ally helmet dryer and helmet dryer stand. Ooh. Uh, we'll start with John. £250. Graham. Four hundred quid. Four hundred pounds. Shay. Five hundred pounds. Five hundred pounds. John's got this one uh, again because oh. it's sold for seventy-five pounds. Well, that's wow. a bargain. Bargain. 
I would have bought that for 75 quid. Yeah. Do you often have to dry your helmet? I, I have two RI helmets, and they both need to be dried regularly after you've worn them. And there's nothing worse, as anyone will tell you, is, put, is getting anywhere near a damp helmet. That's Moving true. on. Our next item is a quantity of used and unlaundered team clothing. Right. She. Uh, 350 pounds. 350 pounds says she. Graham? Well, there's no, no, no point in open asking the question of how much is a quantity of. Yeah. No. Um, I'll say £500. And John? I'm going to say £600. And by the way, Simon Speechart says, Helmut Dreyer. Uh, was he a racing driver <laughs> or not a racing driver? <laughs> That's H-E-L-M-U-T-D-R-E-I-E-R, of course. Yes. Helmut Dreyer. Uh, he was uh, Austrian, of course. I think he was, yes. Uh, sold for £300, so point for Shea. Uh-huh. Mm. This is tight between me and Shea here. It's not. You've got no. five. She's got two. Yes, excellent. I just wanted to hear Our you next that. item <laughs> is 180 litres of Auto Glim Car Shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to keep your car clean for a long time. Not that in any way that we're being profligate. No. Oh, boy. Just just to let you know that Formula One live in the real world there, Graham, obviously. Oh. 180 litres. There was another lot of 60 litres of it as well. All right. Mm. Joe Tiller says, by the way, unlaundered. I thought that was the whole point of Formula One smaller teams, <laughs> allegedly. Yes, very good. Uh, so, John, how much would you pay for 180 litres of uh, second-hand Autoglim? Well... Given that Autoglim are a, uh, a partner of Travel Destinations, our official travel partner, I wouldn't pay very much for it because I know that uh, the although Autoglim is a sparkling pl- product that I can get my hands on it quite easily. However, I would think for somebody in the industry, it would have a value. A value, pound a litre, uh, 180 quid. Shay. Is it new or used? <laughs> because it's, if it's still 100... in its sealed bottles. Okay. Mm. Um, Good question, though. I like where you're thinking with that. Uh, £225. And Graham? I think it's going to be 250 John got it spot on. Oh. £180. Oh, I've, got two. I've, got I've never done any better and Damon's not here and neither is Dex you cannot believe how annoyed I am that they're not here okay, and just just because of, not in any way that I'm jealous John they've not even heard it there you go <laughs> now, don't be confused says Fabian W if Marussia has some green parts on their car <laughs> next weekend and a slightly wonky pit country <laughs> Almost, almost, thought to be almost completely complete. <laughs> Leaning to the left, sir. Next <laughs> item. Right. Spar- Please make this the last one. There's four more. Okay. Sparco Nomex underwear, monogrammed Guido van der Garde, brackets right. used, close brackets. Ooh. So Guido van der Garde's monogrammed but used underwear. So D- it, G- it's- GVG. Can I just be? You did say that the it was the wheel that got the accident damage, and there's no skid marks on the uh, on the underwear. Oh, hey! Too much. Too much. Go ahead. We'll get your bid first. Monogram Guido van der Garde. Twenty-five pounds. Shay. Ten pounds, and it was Guido who bought it. <laughs> John. 
Hey, look, it's got me initials on it. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky was that? £100. £100. It's a point for Graham. Really? Uh, yes. Sold for £35. Ah. Well, that's a bargain. I suppose you've got to be able to... Do you know what? That is going to be on a well-known internet auction site for 150 quid next week. There will come I, have got, I have got a David Brabham Formula 1 balaclava signed. I got that in a charity auction oh. one time. Um, if anybody wants to buy my used Sparco underwear, lightly <laughs> used, uh, but used... Uh, Hang on a minute. Tumbleweed going by the window here. <laughs> class winning every time it's been on, in mm-hmm. fairness. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, you know, if you want... Yours is bigger than uh, Guido van der Gaard's size not, 40, isn't it? It's not... Uh, probably the bottoms aren't very much bigger. The, the, the top, I can't get into dry, the skinny driver's tops. I have to have a one that's built for a normal person. Um, it's... Uh, do you actually have Nomex painted on, John? <laughs> Put on with a trowel in my case, mate. The, the, the back up the mixer. Come on, son. And you go beep, 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 beep. Come on, next. Uh, Sparco Nomex underwear monogrammed Alex Rossi, brackets unused, close brackets. Oh. So is that more worth more than, what was it, 35 quid, did you say, the mm. other one, man? Is it me well, to go get first? John first. Okay, I'm going to say 50 quid. Shay. £10. Graham. £15. Graham is the winner. Oh, Went yes. for £30. Less, oh. less than Guido van der Garde. Yes, well, mm. Alex Rossi didn't actually race, uh, did he? But there's, mm. but there's the whole thing. Formula One underwear from a, uh, a Formula One driver who never raced and never used. Yeah, he still probably put it on, though. No, the, that's unused. The penultimate item. Okay, excitement. Ten empty champagne bottles <laughs> <laughs> from the director's boardroom. <laughs> Signed. Hang on, hang on, stop, stop right now, right? To quote um, Mrs. Red. Thank Bull. you very much. Yes. Yes. To, to Mrs. Horner, right? Ten signed champagne bottles from what? From a test they did at Mizano. What? To test if they could all buy the sh- <laughs> Hang on. They tested. They tested to see if they could open champagne bottles. Just in case they ever got on the podium. Hang on. They are priceless. Priceless. I'm not hearing anything about that. Ten empty champagne bottles signed to see if Caterham could ever, ever open a champagne bottle. That is that... brilliant. Signed by who? Signed by who? They were signed by Alex Rossi and Guido van der Garde. Oh, that hurts. We'll ask Graham to go first because I don't think Shay can talk. Hang on, this is pointless auction item of the week. It's a whole new series. Graham. <laughs> it could be I'll oh, just think of a number really uh, £40 £40 Graham's actually a little bit loud if you turn him down please John I can yes uh, John what's your bid 10 you said he said 40 uh, oh 10 bottles yeah 10 bottles 10 green bottles yes uh, standing uh, In on the I think I think 100 quid I think a 10 or a bottle £100 and Shay, what are you going to go with? Eight quid. Eight pounds. Yes. Do you think eighty pence for a bottle? <laughs> yes. It's and actually less value with them signed. <laughs> <laughs> Pay, Shay would have paid more for them if they hadn't had the signatures on. 
Well, who knows if the recycling place will take them back? Rob Jerner, before we hear this, Rob Jerner, is it a wonder this team folded testing to open champagne bottles? This is so funny. Great work. That is... Right, okay, come on, tell us. £135. What?! Thirteen and a half quid each. I would have paid ten quid for them each. They'll sell for forty or fifty quid each because of the rarity value. But they're empty. It doesn't so? matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter where are you. Where else are you going to get for rarity value a Formula One champagne bottle signed by two Formula One drivers where you're not having to pay thousands of pounds for it? Well, one Formula One driver and one, one test driver. Who tested? Yeah. Staggering. That's no interest. To me, as a, as a I fan. think that is. In fairness, in fairness there's, there's, there's two levels of stupidity. There's the level of stupidity to actually pay £130 for them, and there's the level of stupidity for anybody that pays more than <laughs> £13 for those bottles when they finally go on eBay. Absolutely staggering. Alan Prosser says, however, in fairness, what you should have gone after was the corks. They were the fasting, fastest moving parts of Kit Remeth 1. Thank oh. you. Oh, that could be tweet of the week. I'll tell you something else, you can't use them twice. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Now, excuse me. Normally, I get a bit bored with, with Tim's deal of the century. Tim, that was money. That was golden. Absolutely Brilliant stuff. There is one final item. Oh, come on. In the cage room. I can't be better than that. Right. This is uh, the only uh, complete uh, vehicle that they're auctioning. Mm -hmm. It's a Ford Focus 1.8 LX (laughs) TDCI five-door manual hatchback. Registration number EX05WNU. That's... uh, Echo X-Ray 05, Whiskey November Unicorn. Right. First so. registered, 23rd of the 3rd, 2005. It has 118,000 miles on the clock. Uh, there is one key. Uh, the rear parcel shelf is missing. It has no MOT and has not been on the road for around 12 months. Graham, you can has go it first. Got, has it got Bluetooth? <laughs> not listed. <laughs> Thousand pounds. Shay. Three thousand pounds. John. Uh, Two thousand two hundred and fifty quid. And the point goes to Graham uh, because this sold for four hundred and twenty pounds. That. Wow. That now that is a taxi. The thing is, it's had the brake discs, the champagne bottles, the underwear, and everything bolted onto it, and somebody (laughs) is running that as a mini cab in Chelmsford right now. You know they are. And saying this is the next, uh, this is a, this is the next Kate from F1. I, I I really really want to know what the budget for that Mizano test was now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's where the what? broken wheel rims came from. Do you know what, Tim? That is the best, the best deal of the century you have ever ever done. Better um, than the first one we ever did. Uh, no, honestly, Jeez. Thomas Kyle, um, Dan Hounsel. Uh, Pete Hilton and more and more and more just saying this is the best midweek motorsport uh, midweek motorsport uh, segment ever you, that was that was comedy gold that you have dug up there those champagne bottles are the best I am never going to be able to see people popping a champagne bottle now without thinking of those 10 practice champagne bottles that were popped by Caterham and by the way Haas F1 I hope you're listening 
because <laughs> if you haven't popped oh. your champagne bottles already, you're already behind the curve. They'll have been John, doing it at Barber or somewhere it's like that. It's worse than that because that wasn't the race team. They've got a test team That's to do it. the test team, yeah. That was the test team for, for <laughs> popping champagne bottles. Absolutely outstanding. So at the end of Deal of the Century, here's the scores. Uh, well, first of all, a message from Declan Brennan who says, I am here and I am listening. <laughs> oh, Dex would have been ap- apoplectic on this one. He really would have. And the scores at the end of the day. In third place, Shay mm-hmm. Adam with oh. two. Oh, overtaken in the late moments by... Graham Goodwin with in four. Right. And tonight's winner with eight. Oh, we haven't got time for that. <laughs> I don't care. Actually, he only scored seven. <laughs> I was okay. wondering how he got eight when there weren't that many questions. Uh, with oh. seven is John. Thank Jay, you. I think that's remind, a... remind me on the studio wall at Le Mans where we have the, uh, the John Hindoff bingo to put mentioning Dale of the Century. <laughs> yes, I think we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Jenner is going to play the podcast to the class tomorrow. Rob Jenner is is uh, melding young minds here in the UK. How he's going to work that in with the national curriculum, I have no idea. Hello to Rob Jenner's class. Yes, hello kids. Mr. It certainly isn't economics, I can tell you that. Say, hel- <laughs> say hello to Mr. Jenner's class. Yes, if you want to look at spreadsheets and economics, then uh, make sure you delve right into catering. Uh, and Marussia. Uh, moving on. Well, we've had Graham Goodwin on for more than 25 minutes and not mentioned sports cars no, yet. That was, so I have to say that was very good, though. That was Our very top good. sports car story tonight is mm-hmm. uh, from the ACO, who've announced that competitors in the second round of this season's Asian Le Mans series, which is scheduled to share with the FIA WEC at Shanghai on November the 1st, will get extra track time. And the way they're going to do this is by having the race a week later, two and a half thousand miles away in <laughs> Sepang. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's mm. one way to do it. Yeah, they're, they're very confident they'll get more uh, cars and um, and more track time. Yeah, they're very confident. And not not should also add, of course, Tim, that that means of the four race calendar. Two of the four races will be at Sepang. Yes, mm. uh, and they're both three-hour races, aren't they? So you've they are. They are. Now I, I sort of buy the kind of people not wanting to go all the way to Shanghai and deal with all the things you have to do with going to Shanghai for an 80-minute race, which is what it otherwise would have been. I get that, but a second race, uh, race sorry, that was an awful Freudian slip. Uh, second race at Sepang uh, just does not sort of gel with me. I'm afraid. Shame. Was Where quite else do they go? To they, uh, they're going to Thailand, aren't they? Buram, yes. yes. Um, where does the season start? Fuji. Fuji, on the which bill is for a the WEC. WEC share. Indeed. So John and I will be there for that. So I suppose we could do some commentary for it if you want to just... <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> do. <laughs> John what? said with as much enthusiasm as he could muster. If there uh, are so more cars and commentators, then we'll do that. Well, that might be a struggle. <laughs> ben Tordoff has just tweeted at Specutainment. I'm off to have some practice beers now. The empty glasses <laughs> will be for sale tomorrow. You've got to sign them first, Ben. <laughs> uh, Dan Hounsell says, OK, does the test team then report to the race team about how to open the bottles? Yes, they're very good. 
Oh. And then it, it has developed through opening technique across the 10. It would have been probably, you know, maybe slightly slower to start with. Then they try a, try the shaking technique. Does it work at 45? What we don't know is there'll, whether... There'll be, massive, there'll be a report somewhere. What we don't know was, is whether these bottles were full at the start of the test or whether someone actually took 10 empty bottles all the way to Mizano for two drivers to sign them. No. Or out of the recycling bin. No, I, I, there was a bit, actually, I don't know if you heard about this, but it... Uh, they did try to keep it quiet, but the, there was a bit of controversy because Guido van der Garder at one stage did open his bottle before Alex Rossi when clearly they'd been told to do it the other way around and there was tears before bedtime. Mm. Mm. No. Well, mm. as long as they weren't getting information from the pit wall about how to open the bottle, then it's all perfectly legal. No, no that's... that's, that's yeah, in fairness, I mean, I'm looking actually at the auction now and it was part of a set of 11, but they lost the bottle. So... Uh... <laughs> Or how much fun can we have with that forever, forever long? But there is more sports car news. There is more sports car news, Uh, thank goodness. We we inadvertently uh, got a little scoop on Sunday, didn't we? Well, that's Which one? Oh, we don't want to talk about that because the, the, the studio is still being cleaned up after that. But, uh, oh, sorry, what are you talking about? Uh, Joe Bradley uh, spent quite a lot of the morning when it was raining and he was complaining about the rain uh, mm-hmm. to Lawrence Tomlinson. Yes. No, that was me. That was me. Oh, was that, that was you, was it, Graham? Are we talking it about the me. P2 car? We are. Yes, it was me. That was me. Mm. No, it definitely was me. Um, Lawrence, uh, because he was... Um, sitting in his uh, the back of his truck, feeling very miserable, which is not like a Yorkshireman at all, I should say. Hang on, it um, was raining. He was sitting in the back of a truck, drinking a dark brown liquid. Tea. Yes, drinking tea, feeling yeah. like he was at home. Then um, clearly, feeling a bit, feeling a bit miserable. It's kind of Yorkshire is run on tea and misery, it should be said, <laughs> and um, says the Lancastrian. Uh, oh, but yes, yes he did indeed that. confirm as I as I kind of. Uh, wandered down um, miserably down the uh, the paddock to find out who would confirm or deny they were going to put uh, a bid in for stage one of the LMP2 um, uh, tender process for uh, chassis manufacturers, and we found um, three bits of uh, very interesting information. One was that Janetta, in fairness, I already knew, but uh, that Janetta would would confirm publicly their intention to. Um, and would build a P2 coupe. Second was that the SMP team do intend to put forward a bid, despite the fact it's tricky to see how they meet the, it has to be said, rather tight criteria on that process. Mm. And the third was that uh, Dome won't, Striker Dome won't. That car will not continue if this process is completed um, beyond 2017 as a current chassis. You mentioned... uh, Yeah, there was... Sorry, Graham. You mentioned SMP Sorry. not meeting the uh, criteria, but surely Ginette yep. is a car manufacturer. No, no, it's not a matter. Of, it's not a major manufacturer. Right. I think that's, that's not about the uh, that that criteria. The criteria I think you're talking about is that you cannot be affiliated, linked in any way to a major car manufacturer. The issue here is that you have to have extensive experience of building prototype race cars. Yes, SMP don't have and that built either. Ginette, of course, do have that because they built. Yeah, and all of the LMP3 so far. Yeah, and service customers all the way around the world with uh, the variety of Genetta G-Series cars from Genetta Juniors, G20s, uh, right up to G55s. And there was that uh, GZ95, wasn't there? I, I think, to be honest, I think that's just put a little bit of a ripple into the water. Now, they don't have a P2 pro- uh, uh, project at the moment, Graham. 
yes, they do. Yes, they do. And they've had one for some time. Sorry, they haven't got a product that's out there in the field. Correct. But actually, uh, the more you read that document, the more you realise that that's not a disadvantage. No, exactly. Because the, because the, uh, the difference is such between the current spec cars and 2017. At the moment, there is only one that even remotely fits it, and that is the new Orica, which, by the way, does not have a very large order book. The uh, I think because nobody was thinking about Janetta, I think that has just thrown a massive rock into a pool that people perhaps wouldn't have expected, and that's going to send people scrambling. And if the AC on the FIA stick to four, I find it difficult to to think that Janetta can't be one of them now, given the strict criteria for bidding that has been put out there, because. It absolutely means that nobody knew could do it. So I'm afraid everybody in the States, including Honda, including Multimatic, they can't do it. They're not already supporting customers. They yes, can't. they can. Was it yes, not a can. stipulation that one of these had to be from the US? Well, uh, they- one does have to be from the US, uh, but there, was, there are three or four potential entries from the US, and I'll explain which they are, John. HPD have made it clear they would like to do it. Marshall Pruitt's been on the case. I'm sure you can ask Marshall about it later. Yes. Um, but the issue there is that they are affiliated to a major manufacturer. Um, the uh, the story that Marshall and I was sniffed out some while ago, which is Riley likely working with Multimatic, um, does qualify because let's not forget that it doesn't specify that it had to be a carbon tubbed. Uh, car Riley, of course, built an awful lot of DPs, Multimatic, with the assets, very many of the assets and intellectual property from Lola. Um, and then there's Orica, who have a, a US base. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. I know, I, I, know, can, I know. Can I say something along those lines as well? Yes. Uh, who makes the current Indy car? Delara. Delara. Where do they make it? They're... Well, not in Italy. In the state of Indiana. Well, they there built, you go. They built I mean, a facility there some time ago, didn't they? Specifically it's, to win the IndyCar contract, yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I did, uh, together with a little bit of sniffing around for Marshall in the States, we did a uh, a rundown of all the ones we could actually, all the, the, the uh, organisations we could actually come up with that might be in the mix for it. Uh, Wolf say certainly they'd like a, to, to have a play with this game as well. Um, of course, they've got extensive experience with building CN cars. Um, the you know all the uh, the the existing manufacturers have made it clear that, uh, that they wish to have a bit of a crack at that. And oh, well, actually, run down the list for you guys. It's uh, it's as simple as this. It's um, let's have a quick deco. Where is the list? <laughs> uh, oh, it's been auctioned off for Caterham. Uh, no, there's a champagne bottle. No, it's not that. Um, <laughs> Ginetta. Definitely. Yes. Wolf are uh, definitely uh, up for it. Dome, as we said, wouldn't. Uh, we've got uh, Orica and uh, Onroke, Ligier, confirm that they will. HBD would like to. Uh, Gibson say that they are considering it. There are issues for a number of organisations. Um, the, the tender process was launched, I believe, on May the 15th. Uh, there is a vast amount of work that is required to be done for this, including a four-year business plan, um, uh, lists of assets, uh, suppliers, etc., uh, etc. Et and the um, closing date is June the 10th. 
next week. That's really not that clever, is it? No, but but they've said all along that they want to get this uh, first part up and done so that people um, can get underway. And, you know, September is a date. The, for, problem, for John, is, the problem, John, is they're, they're already late, is the straight answer. They're already, in terms of what they're looking to achieve here, this is already running quite late. That was a point made to me by three separate manufacturers, is they're not quite sure which is the worst part of this. The fact that they're having to put aside work supporting existing customers leading up to Le Mans, um, or the fact that actually, even when this process has gone forward at the jet-propelled speed it currently is going forward at, uh, that's even then with the major changes that would need to be made, you are still looking at a process that is very ragged edge indeed for delivery by the uh, in time for cars to be on track for 2017. Mm. It's um, it's going to be. It's not a press conference I'm looking forward to. I'll be honest with you, um, because uh, you, know, you and I have bitten our tongue a little bit over the last couple of months in this one, John. Um, I'm seriously unhappy about this process. Seriously, seriously unhappy about it. Uh, I'm not at all convinced um, that we've got anything like the answers we, we require about the, the the reasoning behind it. Um, and I'm absolutely not happy that the inevitability of this process is that we will see people that we, you and I, have worked with uh, for more than a decade leaving this industry as a direct result. And that well, is not, unacceptable. Well, leaving the sport. Leaving yep. the sport. Full stop. They will... They will my issue with this is number one and I keep saying this over and over again and nobody has answered this question nobody not pa- not Pierre Fillon not uh, it's it's not nothing to do with Gerard Nouveau in fairness the WEC I don't think are asking for this but nobody at the FIA or the ACO has answered this question is who has asked for this and why are we even considering it because as far as I'm aware and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong Graham and I'll ask Marshall the same question. The only people, the only people who intimated that they might be interested in a open source single or uh, small run chassis were IMSA. And IMSA aren't going to take these uh, these regulations on in any way, shape or form. Well, I mean, you and I have talked, None John, of the teams talk, have asked for this. Sure, I've talked separately with Marshall about it. I think... If it leaves us with an opportunity, it leaves us with an opportunity to do one thing, and that is to um, help IMSA to sort out the problem they've got at the moment. I think, did we mention the IMSA GTP idea last week? I think we probably did. Yes, we did. Which is P2 chassis. Um, You've got all those elements that are different between IMSA and the rest of the world. In any case, embrace it. Give the LMP1 privateers or aspirant LMP1 privateers somewhere they can race for in races and for results that means something and I think that there is an opportunity but um, it's certainly it's you know I was asked this question at the weekend and it's the there's more questions and answers but it's an answer to a question that no one appears to have asked well exactly and, and that's what James Roller uh, who's listening over at the Trotlands in France at the moment good evening James Timothy Young says uh, this is the FIA all over no different to them just opening bidding for an F2 championship to start next year with an all new car and series what is yeah. going on um, I don't know but they're charging a lot of money to do it 15,000 euros non-returnable fee for anybody that decides they're going to put their um, 
their money where their mouth is. Well, and don't forget, on this programme, when we spoke, and, and fair play to Udi Shonak, who came on this show and spoke to us right at the very start of this, when we uh, originally got hold of the minutes of the meeting from Daytona, he mm-hmm. came on, and when we asked him the question, um, how much cheaper is this going to be? He couldn't answer that. When I asked him, who pays the license fee, and how will that be amortised over the chassis? He couldn't answer that. He couldn't tell us what the uh, the licensing fees might be. Currently, by the way, no licensing fees for any chassis manufacturer, for any uh, engine manufacturer. So how anybody thinks this is going to end up cheaper for the teams, I don't know. There's a talk of technical costs being reduced by between 10 to 15 to perhaps 20%. But when very, very respected team managers and team principals have asked, what do you mean by technical costs? The answer has not been forthcoming. I'm going to put my cards on the table right now. I think everybody knows how we think. But this is ill-conceived. It is bad for the sport. And what I want to know is who gains from it. Who gains yep. from it? Because the teams don't gain from it. The fans don't gain from it. The sport doesn't gain from it in sporting ways. So is there another imperative here? And if so, where is that imperative? And who is it going to? And by that, I probably mean large wedges of cash going somewhere. And who is benefiting from it financially if it isn't the teams and if we're not going to get better racing out of it? It's, I'm sorry, it's something that has to be looked at. And, I, and I, I'm also hearing, Graham, if I'm honest, that there will be people who won't go quietly here. And I think the current set of circumstances at FIFA, at the Football World Football Association, will only serve to stoke the flames here that people will be more likely to question these decisions in the future. I tend to agree, and uh, you know, I'm not going to break confidences. But what I can tell you is this, John: that at this point, I expect that not one but a number of organisations, should they be unsuccessful at stage one, it's a three-stage process, um, that that will not be the end that is heard of it. And we don't want that in the sport. It's a, it's unnecessary, uh, and that's not a criticism of the people questioning the process. It's a, it's a criticism of the fact that the process has been communicated actually very badly and um let's wait and see let's wait and see what comes of this but uh, you know i find myself in a ridiculous situation at the moment mm. of you know of grinding out a uh preview for delhi sports car uh, covering a 19 car grid the like of which we've seldom seen in lmp2 of you know top professional teams and great cars and you know i it, it makes me sad it right. makes me sad um well, more from Graham uh, in a moment. Before we take the half-time break, which is a tad late, uh, Dan Hounsell, is there any talk of this pushing teams into LMP1 private here or any no, change in those all. regs? No, none. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, that people won't do that. They will just be driven out of the sport. Alfred Wallace says, follow the money. Uh, Alfred saying, I have a suspicion. The answer is there, Martin G. Webb, why the FIA tried to fix LMP2 when it isn't broken. FIA and ACO as well, don't forget. And him, sir. And him, sir. And this started... This yeah, started with IMSA. Yeah, this started with IMSA. And what I find now remarkable is that IMSA are the people who are least likely to follow any of these rules there's, in there's any only way, one shape thing, or form. John, there's only one key component 
uh, on these cars that will remain the same across IMSA and the ACO series, and that is the chassis. Uh, the reality is that in IMSA, I, I disagree, it'll be different bodywork. It'll be different bodywork. It'll be different engines. It'll be different tyres, and it's all potentially all pro rather than solidly pro am. Uh, you know, there's, there's barely any more you could do to make it more different. I had uh, a word I, with somebody. Um, I had a word with somebody at the weekend whose uh, opinion I respect massively. And uh, I said, so you're telling me that if Ford or GM or Dodge or Chrysler or any of those manufacturers or Hyundai or Honda or whoever comes to IMSA and says, we want to do a chassis and an LMP2, sorry, a prototype car for your series from 17 onwards, and we're going to support that with large amounts of activation cash. IMSA are going to turn them away. And the answer came to me, of course they will not. Of course they will not. So the the only things that will be similar is it will be a single tyre formula. There will be different tyres, but it will be a single tyre formula. In terms of the sporting regulations, the ACO and the FIA will stay with Pro-Am. IMSA will stay with, um, if they want to have all Pro, they'll have Pro. In in terms of FIA ACO, it will be spec bodywork that you can possibly make one change for at Le Mans and nothing else. And there'll be no... um, manufacturer involvement in that in IMSA it will be whatever bodywork you want and OEMs not only will be allowed they will be encouraged in terms of chassis it will be four chassis in FIA ACO in IMSA effectively it will be an open chassis if you can put enough money on the table in engines it will be a single bespoke racing engine in in FIA and ACO in IMSA it will be an open engine formula so there will be nothing in common in what is and the whole point the whole raison d'etre point number one in this is to have a single global formula where people can move from one championship to the other and yet what we will end up is with is two completely separate formulas where there is no overlap whatsoever and that is wrong it's wrong for the business it's wrong for the future of the sport if him want to go there all way i absolutely support them in doing that but why then are we looking at the changes in europe and the rest of the world just my two penneth uh, we're well overdue for this from tim midweek motorsport there's still another hour of this nonsense still to come we'll have more of graham goodwin on midweek motorsport uh, this week uh, we'll also have more share adam who is sitting alongside me uh, doing a passable impression of nick Damon. you're gonna sing interest. are you gonna are you gonna sing something uh, no. Okay. No, too soon. Uh, and we'll have Racer.com's Marshall Pruitt coming in just a few moments' time. You're listening to RadioLabon.com. It's Midweek Motorsport Series 10. Uh, our episode number this week is episode 23, the one before the race. And I'll remind you, next week, it's early. It's 12 o'clock UK, 1300 in the Central European time zone area. Do the arithmetic for yourself because it's Le Mans week. And uh, don't forget the week after that, there's no show because there never is. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Right, let's have a little bit more sports car news. I'm sorry, Hang guys. I, do you know what? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really sorry to have that Graham and I have had that bit of a rant there, but that's been coming for quite a while, hasn't it, Graham? I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Tim Greer, up in London, what do you have for us? Just to say, tomorrow night at 8, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first, and if you're wondering why we're not talking more about the uh, Le Mans test day, uh, it's because it'll, I'm sure, be covered in much more detail uh, in the next three nights programme. So tomorrow night between 8 and 10pm, we have the first of our Countdown to Le Mans shows, where you, John, and you, Graham, and you, Shay, in fact, uh, mm. will, but not me, we'll be back, we'll be back to talk about uh, the GT cars uh, taking part in this year's 24 Hours. And yep. then you're all back again on Friday at 8. Yes, we reconvene. Uh, for an hour and a half uh, mm-hmm. to talk about uh, LMP2 cars. Mm-hmm. Did you say there were 19 of them, Graham? There are... 19. 19. Yeah. Goodwin, are you still there? No, he's gone. He must have muted his mic. He has muted his mic. I'm here, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, 19 have, cars, you're going to squeeze 19 cars into 90 minutes. Yeah, just watch us. And then on Saturday night at 8, you've got an hour and a quarter to talk about uh, the LMP1 cars. Uh, And tonight, at 10 o'clock, do we have anything following us this evening? Yes, we have a brand new Inside tonight. Mm -hmm. It's a bumper Wednesday. What is it tonight, Graham? Uh, Tim? Which is one... You can ask Graham. He's he's going to have as much idea as he he would have on how many bottles of champagne that they've popped up and gone. Uh, tonight at 10, we have a special Inside, uh, where we go inside Continental Tyres. Yeah, and Ooh. the launch of a brand new street tyre. What does it take to build, to develop and test street tyres? And how does the technology that we talk about on IMSA Radio with the Continental Tyres Sports Car Challenge and IMSA work its way back to your cars? Our reporters, Shea Adam and Jim Roller, went behind the scenes at the uh, top secret... Uh, and how do you pronounce it? Uvalde? Uvalde. Uvalde test facility in, I guess, is it New Texas. Mexico or Texas? No, it's San Antonio in right. Texas, okay. but it's about an hour and a half away from anything. Yeah. It's and you were let behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, had to sign in, get the security passes. Oh, yeah. And then got to uh, go see it from a helicopter because that's the only way you can see the whole thing, not driving for four and a half hours. Yes, four and a half hours to drive around the test facility. That's how big it is. It's right, right in thinking this place has got an eight-mile oval. It does. And inside of the eight-mile oval, there's a three-mile oval. There's an off-road no test way. course. There are several wet and dry tracks to simulate on. It was beyond mind-blowing it was fabulous and to be honest i went in as a bit of a skeptic because the way i've always been raised is that michelin is best that's what my dad has drilled into my head from the beginning so i thought well you know this will be fun and i might learn something i was don't give it away don't give it away it was fantastic so that's 10 o'clock tonight yes share adam jim roller behind the scenes at the Say it again. Uvalde. Uvalde Test Centre, uh, which is only marginally smaller than Baron Tarsi's back garden. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's close. And that, and that comes up at 10 o'clock tonight. And starting at 8 o'clock tomorrow on Friday and Saturday, our, our travel destinations, official travel partner of RadioLamont.com, uh, our travel destinations previews for this year. And coming out on Friday, possibly tomorrow, but definitely Friday is the Nismo and RadioLamont.com DSC Spotter's Guide. Andy Blackmore has done his usual genius work. www.spotterguides.com. Andy Blackmore design, as ever, has been brilliant. He's trying to get it out late tomorrow, but it'll definitely be out on Friday officially. 
and there are some very nice new liveries for you to have a look at, Graham. There most certainly are. I've got a quick question because it's one I've already been asked online since we spoke, which is when will the podcast, the preview programmes be out? Because I know there's a fair number of people that like to have those in the background on the long trip down. Yes, if you're travelling on... If you're travelling on Friday, then you'll only get one. If you're travelling Saturday, you'll get two. And if you're travelling on Sunday, you'll get all three. Right, so they'll all be up by Sunday. Yes. Okay. Right, we'll we'll try and get them up as soon as they've been broadcast. So the the Thursday one on Thursday, the Friday one on Friday, and the Saturday one on Saturday. But uh, Tim has got other work to do this weekend uh, because there's a small matter of a motor race at Alton Park that he's got to be at. So um, he has... And and uh, there's also quite a lot of uh, Radio Le Mans specials that we're making for next week. Yes, indeed. Uh, I have a question as well. Yes, go on. Uh, Obviously, Shay seems very impressed by Valde. Yes. Uh, Tomorrow, do you have... 45 minutes spare to take her to Myra. Oh. Yeah, I don't think she's going to get the same sort of buzz. Do you, th- about do you not? No, oddly. Uh, Simon Speechart uh, has just tweeted the uh, Google Maps of Valde Test Track, and I'm going to retweet that now on um, uh, on Atspectatainment right now. So, there we go. Um, a, a couple of Go on. And to give you an idea of perspective, mm. no matter how far in you zoom, that black patch that's there, that's their skid pad. It's 16 acres. So that should give you a pretty good <laughs> idea of how big this place is. Right. Uh, Velosud says, apologies for leaving early. This is a new one. Not for missing, for leaving early. Velosud's fantastic uh, Twitter handle. Nipping off early to wind tunnel test the new champagne cog design. Very good. Uh, and uh, Jason Ford saying, it's like having my mates with me. Uh, the the ranting is what uh, Midweek Motorsport's <laughs> all about. I agree with you both, which is somewhat annoying. Martin G. Webb says, we'd just love to see the USA teams over in Europe and European teams in USA. Uh, really looking forward to the preview, said Rob Gina. Thank you. Still might do a late drive over next Friday night. You, Rob, do it, do it, do it. Uh, and a lot of people, uh, I think, agreeing with what Graham and I said. Uh, guys, I'm sorry. Um, Rob should arrange a school slightly. trip. Yes, yeah, school trip, Rob. Uh, Shifty says, um, the way the wind is blowing, might we see a good portion of IMSA races in WEC? I think you're more likely to see European races going to IMSA if there's a more open attitude towards bring your prototypes, bring them all, then you just might see that that is... Um, Slightly different. Anything more for Graham before we let him go? The way the wind is I'm, blowing, I'm, I'm, I think. I might, I might have an exclusive for you. Ooh. Oh, okay. Fire away. Exclusive. Yes, go on then. Well, I, I tweeted something uh, about a week ago, I believed to be true, which you might remember, John, when I said uh, anybody at the uh, Mon Circuit on Saturday morning might get a bit of a treat. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can, oh, yes. I can now yes. exclusively tell you that you won't. Um, get that treat uh, unless I've been chronically misinformed uh, because what I was referring to is I'm aware that uh, I believe this to be the truth uh, certainly I'm aware that um, several of the LMP1 factory teams have on site at them on this week a significant heritage car yes and also have on site at them on this coming week a significant driver of that heritage car. And mm. my presumption was, therefore, that those cars and those drivers would be doing parade laps a la Mazda 
a couple of years ago. That appears not to be true. Mm. What appears to be happening is those cars will run, but will run, I believe, only on the Friday evening, wrong way down the circuit to the official dinner. So down the now, front think, street. Yeah. So the uh, so anybody not going, which, by the way, the, um, the genius of that, of course, is that that's when most of the public are in town watching the end of the parade. Can I just say, if you've seen the parade before, it might be worth being on the front street. Yeah. Would you like me to tell you what those cars are that I can, I can confirm? Uh, are we allowed to say that, or do you not care at this stage? <laughs> Don't care at this stage. <laughs> All right, um, this is an exclusive. Uh, stand by your beds. Write, get a piece of paper ready, and uh, stand by. These are the cars that we are expecting seeing to see run down the track, at least part of the front straight, on Friday evening. Cars and driver combinations will be as follows. Graham, this is the uh, Friday night the, before the, the race. The the two I can confirm are the pole setting 1990 Nissan R90 CK with Mr. Mark Blundell at the wheel. Oh. And Billy, Billy Blundell, with the, yep. which was a pole record at the time. Remember, this is the car where the wastegate stuck open on his outlap. It was seen on the telemetry. He was told to pit and he decided not to. Uh, and put in an absolutely stonking lap, and somehow the engine held 3. together. 3.27, I think it was at that stage, was 3. it? 3.27, yeah. That car's uh, the same age as me. Yes. There you go. I'm just going to um, stop it. Down now. <laughs> stop it. Stop it now, okay? Yes. Um, the second car I can confirm is definitely going to be there is a 1999 Toyota GT1. <gasps> uh, and that car... My favourite. ...will be driven by, by me, me, me. By by Ukyo Katayama. Oh, not by Nick, because there's not enough time to yes. get him in and out of the car, unfortunately. I believe, but have not had confirmed, that one of the others will be a Porsche 962, a race-winning car, oh. uh, with a race-winning Le Mans driver, possibly one Mr. D-Bell of this parish. Uh, we'll wait and see. Um, I have no information about what Audi may be fielding, but the solid information I was given was that uh, it was one car each for each of the competing LMP1 manufacturers this year with a significant heritage car and a significant driver from the period of that car. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, they will effectively not be paraded for the public, but will be doing just that run, I believe, just that run to the official dinner. Uh, so unless there's a surprise that will be fielded at some point during race week, um, then those cars will not be running. They're not even on... going to run them on Saturday morning? They're definitely not running on Saturday morning. That is a shame. It's not a lot it's of track a big time shame. on uh, Saturday morning because no. both not the Aston Martin race and the Legends race are longer than the equivalent races last year. They are. Plus, they are. we've got the parade of the five McLaren F1 LMs, uh, GTRs, for, yeah, uh, the, on the morning of the race as well, the five that finished in 1995. So there's your exclusive. Something I did read, Graham. Uh, on mm -hmm. Friday at uh, Mulzan, uh, there's some kind of market which will be attended by some cars. Do you know anything about that? No, there's a, there's an awful lot of stuff going on at the moment. There's the um, there's there's some kind of event that features Tom Christensen, which I think public are invited to at the that's museum. On Tuesday. Uh, it's certainly it? worth certainly worth anybody that's going and particularly anybody that's going early. Keep an eye on. Uh, the uh, Le Mans website and on DSC. If we find out any of these events, we will make sure that they're relayed to you. Uh, but there's going to be a lot going on. And certainly, you know, 
break your normal routine and go and have a look at areas around the circuit that perhaps you've not looked at before, particularly before the cars are running, go and have a look at where the changes are on the circuit this year. We'll have a little something on that for you, um, I hope, before uh, the uh, cars are running next week. Um, but it's... I, I just get the impression it's going to be a bit special this year. Mm. I think uh, the boat is being pushed out pretty thoroughly and... Um, you know, there's also, by the way, the final chance before midnight tonight to apply if you are going to be there on the Thursday evening to come and take part in Mazda's uh, Mazda, Nissan's Meet the Team uh, media uh, event, uh, which is also going to have a number of fans. We did this before, did we not, John? At, at Silverstone. Silverstone, yeah. And it went very, very well. So it's going to be repeated again. Um, you get that opportunity to ask a question. All you need to do is drop me an email, graham at dailysportscar.com, with the question you'd like to ask so we can get the right people there. It'll be emceed by John and myself um, on Thursday afternoon, and it'll be something around 10 or a dozen people will be selected. We'll be letting you know before I leave for them on Saturday morning. Uh, on the other line coming in now, let's say good evening or good afternoon at least because he's on the left-hand course to racer.com's Marshall Pruitt. Good evening, MP. Hi, Andy. How are you, brother? <laughs> I love it. I do love this time of the week when I hear you. Your feet, you're sounding a, li- a little more mellifluous even than usual. You've got your mojo back, mate. This week at home has done you the power of good. It's all the California sunshine, man. Yeah, hey, it's been it's been wonderful after being gone for essentially the entire month of May. It's lovely, uh, lovely being home for a little a quick respite uh, before flying out to uh, a little endurance race we're fond of. Uh, fly out Friday night. Um, just following up on something that Graham said earlier, and Graham is still on the uh, the other line. Uh, Share Adam with me and Tim Gray up in London. Of course, Midweek Motorsport Series 10, episode 23. Um, tell me about Honda HPD and the LMP2, uh, the LMP2 bidding process. MP, uh, are they they're wanting to get involved? Yeah, and they have been all along. Uh, they were caught. Uh, by surprise, and I would assume any other auto manufacturers with an interest in uh, submitting a tender for one of the four contracts were also caught by surprise when the final, final, final document was found to have a lovely little clause stating that uh, if you are affiliated with an auto manufacturer, you cannot submit a tender, cannot participate in uh, the 2017 P2 chassis manufacturing side. So, yeah, interesting uh, thing where uh, among the uh, numerous P2 constructors we have today, uh, we can definitely say that uh, Honda slash HPD, uh, dating back to their Acura program, they've been around for a fair while, uh, yet, at least based on the current text, uh, limiting text in the tender uh they have a window about a year and a half from now where uh, they will no longer be allowed to be chassis manufacturers uh not only on the aco slash wec side but in north america as well in imsa as long as imsa decides to uh, be beholden to these rules uh, uh, graham and i have just had a, a bit of a rant, rant about the the rules so we'll probably uh, move move on from that. Uh, last weekend, IMSA at Detroit with uh, a one another one of these 100-minute races that seems to divide opinion 
Uh, Jeremy and I, th- and, and Greg, thoroughly enjoyed calling it for IMSA Radio. I thought it worked again. Uh, unfortunately marred by a nasty incident after the chequered flag. James Davison, among others, having an accident at or near the chequered flag. Spencer Pompelli, another one. Uh, there were cars in the wall at Turn 1. It had been for a couple of laps, but apparently drivers seemed not to have uh, I- enough memory banks to remember that the cars were still there and went charging off in very wet conditions uh, into a dangerous area. The sad part about that MP was one of the EMT firefighters was quite badly injured after being struck by James Davison's Aston Martin and has had to spend some time in hospital. What news uh, on... In fact, there was a couple of guys had to go to hospital. I think one's been released. But one was quite serious with uh, collapsed lung and, and rib damage. What news? Yeah, the last that I heard, uh, it's going to be a long recovery period. Had uh, No, I shouldn't say just heard, but was told that essentially all of his ribs were broken in some way, shape, or form. Uh, um, you know, lacerated spleen. I mean, but essentially uh, his core was, uh, you know, just ma- impacted massively. And so that, again, fireman, I guess, unfortunately for him, not as if uh, he would be uh, inexperienced with go- being in a dangerous situation, but uh, I would say that there's a difference between charging into something where you expect danger to be in front of you compared to uh, something being unexpectedly visited upon him. And that's uh, essentially what we had here. So I don't have any updates on expected recovery time or when he might be going home, but uh, definitely his body has a lot of healing to do. Also heard that, uh, you know, there's definitely uh, some internal investigations going on about how the situation was handled. And as you would expect, even if everything went perfectly, you'd still expect uh, them to IMSA to look at what happened. So can't tell you whether there will be any changes to come out of this, but uh, as everything I've heard says IMSA is taking this as seriously as you would want them and expect them to. Which is a shame because the race, as I intimated, in difficult conditions uh, early on in the week and in changeable conditions on Belle Isle uh, during the race was actually pretty spectacular. Action Express bossed the weekend, uh, came away with a win and a third. It really should have been first and second. Michael Shank Racing somehow pulling out a podium from absolutely nowhere. Brilliant stuff by both of their uh, drivers, John Pierre and uh, Oz Negri, did a just brilliant job. But you can't take it away from Action Express. Uh, and once again, the 100-minute format proving to build excitement and bring entertainment. I completely agree. I think it not only did it work well, uh, it was not overly littered with accidents during the green flag running. That, I would say, was a definite uh, – it was a nice surprise. We had uh, three classes there uh, compared to Long Beach where we just had the uh, two pro classes. So we had uh, actually one, call it pro class, and both uh, pro-am classes. And I think the pro-am guys, for the most part, uh, gave a very solid accounting of themselves. Again, while the uh, the green flag was waving. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Heidi. Maybe the these are a bit weird. We're talking about a endurance series with a 100 minute race but at least for what it is knowing the constraints of going to these big street courses and having a packed schedule uh, i'd say detroit definitely was uh, a quality race uh, just just before we let graham go marshall stay on the line uh, something i want to 
explore with Graham uh, before he disappears. Not in the literal sense, obviously, because that would be really impressive. Uh, the, yeah, it's magic. Uh, it might, that's magic. Uh, we were looking at something on Twitter. Uh, social media is such a big part of what we do now, Graham. We've said this before. Um, earlier on this afternoon, we were tweeting with various things, and up, up popped something from uh, Trevor, from TVR in the UK, that was mm-hmm. quite interesting, that involved uh, their new car, their new street car, and there mm-hmm. was a sentence in it that just sparked the interest of one or two listeners and indeed us. Um, and the interesting sentence was about downforce on future race cars. Yeah, I think it's it's it, it's not a massive surprise that that would be the, the route they'd take. Let's just... Uh, the, the backed by Les Edgar, uh, computer game um, magnet... Uh, with an ATE, not an ET, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, that would just wipe um, everything off your hard drive. That'd absolutely be no good. would. The, and the background um, to Les Edgar, by the way, is he was, and may well still be, a massive Aston Martin fan. Yeah. And was almost behind their return to Le Mans. That, 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 uh, that plan didn't quite work out. Correct. Uh, with something that I was involved in that became something else entirely. With yeah. Uli Betts, actually. There you um, go. So many years ago, around the turn of the so, so century. involved in that. Uh, we're talking about new road cars uh, with none other than Gordon Murray des- uh, involved on the design front. Uh, not just the car design, but also the production design. It's, it, he's at Ustream, his production um, package. Uh, with engines fettled by Cosworth, therefore at a stroke, uh, dealing with some of the major issues of the the last batch of utterly gorgeous, but I'm afraid uh, particularly fragile TVRs, and that yes, in the fullness of time, that they want to take TVR back to the racetrack. And Les Edgar has actually been on the record previously as talking about the potential for GT3. I think the reality here, John, around any kind of meaningful race program for TVR is they need to get the production cars up and running first. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, there is no production facility. They've got a facility not that far down the road from me in Guildford, uh, but that's not a factory uh, where we wait away yet from seeing cars with wheels on the floor. Um, but it is certainly encouraging you know, after, you know, uh, I hope half a lifetime uh, that has seen very many names disappear. We mentioned one that's, that managed to be resurrected with Janetta, with Lawrence Tomlinson. Wouldn't it be great to see TVR back? Yeah, absolutely great. Graham, we'll let you get on with uh, writing some previews on dailysportscar.com. Thanks for joining us tonight on Midweek Motorsport. It was a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, and uh, more from him on RadioLamont.com next week, uh, which is, uh, of course, Mobile One Radio Le Mans, 91.2 FM around the circuit and around the world at RadioLamont.com, and also syndicating the race at least uh, on the Sirius XM satellite network uh, over in North America, from where Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com joins us. Marshall, thank you for staying with us. TV are coming back to racing will be exciting. Starting to hear a little more now about plans for Ford's racing comeback with Chip Ganassi. We're expecting a full uh, a full announcement coming up next week. But I'm, yep. I'm afraid there's more leaks uh, than a sieve in a bathtub uh, at the moment uh, about what's going on. I've heard a number of drivers 
uh, names mentioned. I'm not going to repeat those rumours now because it would be wrong to betray those trusts. But what is I've, be- I've heard uh, Christensen and McNish. Are you hearing that too? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Very good. Um, Never mind. Um, I, I can't possibly I can't possibly say if I've been approached by Chip Ganassi uh, to <laughs> to. Well, the, the thing that is becoming more and more clear. Uh, if the rumours are to be believed, and then these are coming from pretty sensible places, that in the first instance at least, this looks to be an FIA World Endurance Championship effort with Le Mans at the centre of it. Is that what you're hearing? Thing. Yeah. I heard the same thing. Uh, I believe we... Uh, there are a few items at the uh, press conference itself that, uh, for me at least, and I think many others, it'll be interesting to get a little bit of clarity on some items like that. I mean, we know Lamar is obviously, you know, the core of what they're doing. Um, I've heard the, the IMSA versus WEC dials have been turned up and down significantly as to which one will uh, have more or less of uh, less forwardness to it. Uh, I've definitely heard that uh, there we could see more WC than anyone expected. Um, but I would also say don't do not discount uh, a strong IMSA participation as well. Uh, if there's a you know one thing for sports car fans to know, and maybe this has been underreported just because well, you know the the bulk of the stuff to report is still ahead of us instead of behind us, but. Mm. This is a Ford project, no question, but I don't know if everyone fully understands how much of a Ford Europe project this is and how heavily Ford Europe is involved. So definitely Blue Oval, definitely Michigan, made in America. Well, made in Canada technically with our friends at Multimatic, but uh, this is definitely an American return to Le Mans in the world stage. Uh, But uh, Ford Europe, Ford of Europe is a big, big part of this. So I think that for me at least, That'll be the most interesting aspect to learn how deep, how much, and uh, how big a part that that will play into the WEC plans. We wait to see what uh, develops on that and what is uh, actually announced. But Ford versus Ferrari at Le Mans is something that you never want to underestimate. And the good news is that I'm hearing on other fronts that despite it being quite shaky for a little while that the Ferrari 488 GTE project has been green lit and therefore is being developed even as we speak so the prospect of a brand new Ford and a brand new Ferrari next year at Le Mans racing at Le Sartre in the GTE category and possibly for the whole world championship to use Mr Goodwin's uh, uh, favourite saying at the moment is mouth-watering. Fantastic. I'll also throw in one more word, turbocharged. And that, I would say, of all the aspects of the uh, 2016 GTE development slash GT Le Mans development, it's having forced induction turbocharged motors in the play. For me, at least, growing up in the IMSA era and the GTO and GTU, uh, snarling turbos were a big part of the game. Uh, Trans Am as well. So I love the fact that we will uh, not just have naturally aspirated motors in the GT class. All sounds good to me. Uh, And some interesting drivers to be involved in that Ford 
project as well if what we're hearing is somewhere near true but that uh, is something that we don't go into because that's people's livelihoods and until uh, there's ink on contract it's not my place to make those announcements uh, it may well be that there's a shake-up of other gte drivers as well because even now uh, well-known gte drivers are in negotiations with competitors of the brands that they are in with and some big names set to change around at the end of this season um mp let's uh, stay in detroit with the duel in detroit couple of indycar races that managed to uh, avoid the bad weather which is something the world challenge couldn't for one of their races although their other one was pretty good but uh, indycar again a couple of decent races not without incidents but i've got to say i do love that detroit belle isle track it is I mean, it's now it's not really a street circuit. It's a semi-permanent, almost, you know, it, it could almost be a permanent circuit, couldn't it? It could. The fun part is the uh, the city and the track spent quite a bit of money in the off-season to do major repaving, uh, specifically on the back straight, which was just been like uh, putting someone through the washer and dryer with uh, its <laughs> bumpiness. Uh, and also there was paving uh, on the front straight, too. Everyone, I believe, went to uh, Detroit expecting to have a smoother experience, and somehow, some way, it was rougher than ever, Heidi. So that's maybe the crazy part, is having gone through all the repaving cement, by the way, uh, using cement, uh, the cars are actually, and drivers are getting thrown around more than ever before. So that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, we had two days of rain-affected events, strategy-influenced outcomes. We saw Carlos Munoz win his first IndyCar race on Saturday, uh, second win of the year for Honda, so good on them. But uh, again, with the race being shortened due to weather and the threat of uh, lightning, although I did have a number of people say we, we didn't seem to see or hear the lightning they said was coming, so why did we stop the race? Uh, interesting there. And on Sunday, we had, a, I would say, another popular finish. Definitely one where weather uh, affected strategy. And we had a Sebastian Bourdais uh, win for KVSH Racing, the Chevy-powered team, and with his win, Every single Chevy-powered team has now won this season, and we are only at the halfway point. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, new uh, livery coming up for Dixie. He's gone all dark on us. He's go- he's gone to the <sighs> he's gone to the dark side. <laughs> well, yeah, our, our our Kiwi friend. I'm sure he would have uh, preferred an all black. Well, but, hey, uh, all very black good. Thing. Hey, that's right. Um, anyways, sure, he would have preferred that, but I like it. It's a uh, reminiscent. Uh, not. The uh, Ganassi team has had that livery before with uh, other drivers, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of Robbie McGeehee's old IRL livery from back in the day for folks like me who have dumb memories of things that don't matter. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. Another, yet again, roller coaster of IndyCar aerodynamics, boys and girls. So going into Texas, there will be new regulations. There will be modifications to the aero kits. There will be newly mandated minimum and maximum rear wing angles that will uh, uh, put Push teams towards a what I've been told a higher downforce level than anyone wants, and there are absolute concerns that uh, Heindy, having seen the absolute uh, unequivocal 
danger and downside of pack racing uh, up close and personal. Uh, there are definitely plenty of drivers and team owners I've spoken with who've said they are concerned about pack racing returning this weekend due to the uh, mandated bits or the mandated wing angles and uh, possibly the inability to shed some of the extra downforce that would break up those packs. Yeah, and I, it's Shay's got a, a, a point for you, MP. Quick question for you, MP. Uh, the guy who impressed me most out of the second Detroit race was Connor Daly, leading, I forget, 26 laps, I think it was. And now in Texas, he is not racing. Did that come as a bit of a surprise? No, uh, and nothing against Connor, but this is a kid who spent his life on road street courses and although he i think has been impressive at indianapolis in his well granted he didn't get a chance to race this year but uh was definitely impressive in practice and qualifying and impressive while driving aj foot a couple years ago um i would have expected to see maybe alex tagliani in the car i know that he was speaking with the team and he's certainly a uh, an oval specialist I am surprised to see that they went with Ryan Briscoe and that nothing to do with Ryan uh, in terms of talent or abilities. Just he's driving for a certain GM brand, needs to be back uh, in France for scrutineering uh, shortly after the race on Saturday night. So, again, all these things work easily with jets and and flights and such. But uh, I would have expected uh, Ryan to be taken off of the uh, list of options simply knowing that uh, he's about to jump into Le Mans. But nonetheless he'll do an excellent job for the team i definitely hope that we will see connor back though because uh, to your point shay i think he definitely proved that uh given a competitive car that kid can run up front uh yes uh now the question is that uh the can the hondas run up front in indycar at the moment and it doesn't seem like they can graham rahal and to a certain extent mark wendretti certainly at the indy uh, 500 were trying to break that spell, but it's not been the best of openings for the, the Honda runners this year so far. Uh, they can't be happy with this, those teams, uh, MP? No, that's nothing new. This has been ongoing. This has been uh, the concern during preseason testing. And we've just reached, a, I don't want to say an impasse, we've, we're starting to reach critical mass. Uh, we've been hearing from teams for a little while now, hey, our sponsors are unhappy, our sponsors are shaky about whether they would want to continue if things stay this bad for us, we can't win, etc. Um, those conversations are increasing in frequency and volume. So I can tell you that We've reached the point where, with a little rule that both Honda and Chevy agreed to, a tweak to the rule part of the season, you might remember, Heindy, there was, uh, with aero kits coming in this year, uh, both manufacturers were allowed to modify three, call it boxes Mm. on our three regions throughout the season to make an update, try and fix something maybe they got slightly wrong. Both agreed to do away with that rule just prior to the start of the season. And here we have one manufacturer with Honda that is out to lunch on its aero kit. Its teams are suffering. Its teams are hamstrung. Teams cannot go and develop uh, their own bits and pieces. They're absolutely forbidden from doing that. So you have teams who've paid a lot of money for aero kits, spent a lot of money uh, on extra personnel, simulation, this, that, and the other, and they're getting their behinds handed to them from coast to coast. So uh, we've reached a point where 
in the best interest of the series, uh, IndyCar needs to either allow, I should say, push Honda to uh, invoke a little rule 9.3 in the AeroKit rule book, which it's the uh, greater good clause. If a manufacturer is significantly off the pace, IndyCar can allow them to develop and improve. Uh, Honda needs to ask for it. And if they're too proud to do it, then IndyCar needs to mandate something because we're not just talking about competitive balance, Heidi. Hey, we want the races to be, be more competitive. That's not the issue. It's Honda teams are starting, some of the Honda teams, but most of them are concerned about losing sponsors. The smaller ones are going to crumble if that happens. And all of a sudden we show up in 2016 with a much smaller grid because people are going out of business. And so beyond two brands fighting for victory, uh, that is actually just people's businesses and livelihoods falling apart because one arrow kit's about a half second lower than the other. Simple mm. but crazy. And, and it, you know, it clearly it's an issue uh, as we've seen. Um, and I'm, and well, there's the something is has got to be done. Um, in, in fairness, though, we are talking more about the racing on track this year in Indy than we ever have done in IndyCar than we ever have done. As we've said before in this program, and Marshall and, and you said uh, on this program, that's the way it should be. And I like the fact that we are talking about, listen, you know, the differences between cars is great. We're not talking about the backroom machinations uh, of what's going on in the boardroom of IndyCar. Although rumours continue to abound that there will be some significant changes. I was at Detroit at the weekend and it would appear that there are some significant changes that will happen before now the end of the season. That's what we're hoping. I mean, that's... We're hoping we're going to hear the, con- the, the, the confirmation of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're hoping. That's what we are needing. Um, again, Heidi, I mean, tell me your thoughts. This is living and kind of breathing it every day. It, it seems like this is a foregone conclusion to me, but, I mean, is it that obvious uh, outside or f- and from what you're hearing as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, inside the paddock and outside of the paddock from people who should and would know... Um, you and I have talked off the record about individuals and again we're not going to mention names here because again it's people's livelihoods and it's not fair to do that but uh, the same names that you and I have been talking about or same name that's been talked about has been mentioned to me from a couple of of different sources and it's I think it's a question now of when um, rather than if that these changes are made and it's it's about the it's effectively about the structure of the race series and, and how uh, who has what responsibility and, and how it's structured. Yeah, I uh, would completely agree. There, there's, It's funny. When things are going well in a motor racing series, or I imagine any sporting league, of course you have the arguments and complaints, oh, they need to change this or fix that or make some small things, but there are little detail items. It's effectively perfecting the stitching on the garment. Uh, but when you have something that looks like, you know, the arms are falling off and the sleeves are torn and the collars on backwards and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you, they're just bigger questions to ask. Uh, arrow kits, do they, do we need them? Is it in the best interest of the sport? Would, uh, would Chevy and Honda, would it be better for Chevy and Honda to say instead of spending millions and millions of dollars on an aerodynamic exercise that is for purely competitive reasons, but really tells us nothing and has no relevance to what we're doing on the road, should we spend money there or should IndyCar say, okay, we're going to end that experiment, but would you? Let, how about you guys 
commit those same dollars to marketing and promoting the series or maybe help us put that money into a fund to move more of the races onto ABC? Would that help the sport? Uh, the current cars, what they are right now, single supplier. Should there be just one supplier? Should that be opened up? We keep hearing about Google. Apple, some other tech companies that happen to be locally based saying, hey, we're thinking about building cars. Well, geez, maybe that's a venue. And I'm not saying Apple's going to build an indie car, but what if they wanted to be involved in something to express technology, use the series as an R&D uh, platform? Just again, some, maybe some of these bigger questions where we say is, should we be worrying about the details and the stitching? or looking to possibly redo everything. And as a result, you have to ask the simple questions of, are the people currently in charge capable of fixing the small stuff or the visionaries that can really heal all the problems that exist? MP, brilliant stuff as ever. And look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, you're going to be around, uh, around about sort of midday and one o'clock on Wednesday. So we can do Midweek Motorsport Live with you in the booth. Absolutely. I'll be uh, be on the ground at good old scrutineering come Sunday morning, oh, and uh, we will be rocking it out for the rest of the week, brother. All right. Uh, can't wait to see you down in France. Marshall Pruitt uh, from Racer.com will be joining us on our early doors. Thank you, man. Uh, in our early doors uh, issue of uh, broadcast. Uh, of Midweek Motorsport, which will be going out at midday UK time. Do the arithmetic yourself. Shay Adams, still with us. Good evening, Shay. Hello, John. Yes, yeah, see, proves she's still here. She's not just on a hotkey. And if I say hello, Shay, again, she can say something else other than just hello, John. Hello, John. Oh, maybe she can't. Maybe she is just on it. Shay, good evening. Hello, John. Oh. That one's uh, good, that's on. Up in, uh, up in London is our executive producer, <laughs> Tim Gray. Tomorrow night, big night. Tonight's a big night as well. Don't forget, coming after us at uh, 10 o'clock this evening, a chance to go behind the scenes and find out what sort of torture and testing street tyres are put through before they get on to the racks at your local tyre dealer. Before they get to be original equipment on your Audi, for example, Continental, take every one of their tyres to the... Uvalde. Testing centre out in Texas. It takes up most of Texas, and trust me, Texas is a fairly big state. And uh, that's where they work out what part of what they're learning on the track can be rolled into their straight tyres. Cher Adam and Jim Roller, our reporters from the... Uvalde. Testing centre uh, and Continental tyres coming up as part of our IMSA radio tie-up. Uh, that coming up at 10 o'clock. And tomorrow night, Tim, we have the first of our Travel Destinations previews to the Le Mans 24 Hours for 2015. Hello, John. Hello. <laughs> We're just talking <laughs> at that. this point. Yeah, very good. That was very funny. And tomorrow night, it is what? Tomorrow night, uh, we're looking at the uh, slower ones with roofs. Uh, that would be the GT E-cars, That would be then. the GT E-cars, yes. Uh, fast cars without roofs... Mm-hmm. And with nothing covering their wheels, yes, would be described as single seaters. Now, if you were or going formula to, cars, perhaps, if you were going to buy a single seater or a lot of single seaters, mm-hmm. um, you might historically have uh, bought them from a company based in uh, Concorezza in Italy, or a company Delara, Tatus, 
Oh, sorry, Tatlas, yes. Sorry. Or a company based at Manucor in France. Miguel. Oh, right, okay, yes. Or a company that no Oracle's longer exists that's based there. at Huntingdon. Lawler. Uh, or I could throw a stone to Lola's Huntingdon <laughs> factory from here. Go on. Uh, or a company uh, based in uh, Parma. Parma? Yes, in, in Spain. Spain. Oh, no, in Italy. Parma with an R. All right, so Parma, not Palma. Okay, uh, that would be Delara. That would be Delara. Yes. Uh, would you go to Bognor Regis? I might do. To buy I a single-seater? Uh, well, Penske were built on the south coast for a little while. That was Bournemouth. That was the long, or ah, pool, in fact, much pool. further down. Mm. Uh, Bognor Regis. Who's going to build single-seaters in Bognor Regis? It's more a case of who did build single-seaters in Bognor Regis. Citron built the most beautiful car of the 1950s and 1960s in Slough, Again, which would be the DS. A long way away. Yes. Uh, all right, who's building in Bognor? Uh, the second-generation A1GP cars were built in Bognor. By whom? I can't remember the name of the company. So, Collective, if you can remember... I want to say Project 10. Oh, okay. But I think they might have been the people who built the um, Super quickly. Super Formula Super car um, that never raced because Patrick Lemarier crashed the only one and then they didn't <laughs> didn't have the designs anymore because of a little falling out that they had with someone. I'm um, just looking at the first two pages, by the way, of uh, Andy Blackmore's Nismore, Nissan Spotter's Guide. Looks fantastic. Should be out at the very latest. Friday is his, uh, is his date, but he might have it out tomorrow, so keep an eye on that. Sorry, go on. So what is the point of this, then? Why are you buying single-seaters? Well, those well? 21 uh, second-generation A1GP cars and their V8 uh, Ferrari engines have all been sold to South Africa. Yes, were the 21 engines to go with the 21 chassis? Because that was a bit of an issue at the start of that series. Yes, 21 engines, 21 chassis. Right. What they don't have are 21 Magneti Morelli ECUs or 21 steering wheels uh, because they're currently in the possession of Magneti Morelli. Who haven't been paid some of their bills, presumably. Well, Allegedly. They, they lived there um in between races, so when A1GP went into administration, uh, they just held on to them. Race prep and mm. Onyx, Mike Earl, RP Technologies, was that the people we're talking about? No. Okay. Onyx? No, this okay. was only a decade ago. Onyx stopped making single-seaters a long time ago. No, but it was all Mike Earl's companies, RP Technologies. Yes, Mike Earl had uh, moved to Littlehampton by then, and uh, that's where the arena was based ah, at the and, time, wasn't uh, it? A number of people seeing it, including Andy Blackmore, in fact. RP Technologies, a.k.a. Race Prep, was it not them? May have been Race Prep, actually. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, they're going to race in a new South African series. Uh, and that's going to be called? Afrix. Hmm. How are we spelling that? A-F-R-I-X. Right. Uh, it's uh, going to be a winter series. or well, it's going to be summer in South Africa, but uh, winter here. Right. Ooh, um, that means work. That means potential work. <laughs> we uh, could broadcast that. We want to attract drivers from Europe and North America. 
Well, we've got commentators from Europe and North America that would know those drivers from Europe and North America that they would attract a race in their series in South Africa when it's freezing cold in Europe. I know a South African-American who'd be very interested in racing in that. Mark Patterson. Yes, exactly. (laughs) He'll race anything. (laughs) We know know another South African who now lives in Indianapolis, don't we, John? Who's that? Stephen Simpson. Stephen Simpson, yes, very good. And Dion von Moltke. Dion von Moltke, yes. Anyway, enough of that. We need to move on to a courier course. Yes. What did they do 69 years ago? Uh, 69 years ago, they won the race of two continents at Monza. What else did they do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, More relevant to what you're doing this week. Le Mans, Le Mans. 24 Le Mans, hours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to celebrate that, uh, the largest ever gathering of a courier course cars... Mm-hmm. Uh, will be held at the Palace of Holyrood House from the 4th to 6th of September. Oh, really? Yes. I like Holyrood. It's a nice place. I might have a dodge up to that if I'm around. There'll be three C-types, uh, two uh-huh. D-types, uh-huh. Uh, the 1959 comma Transporter, uh, the Group C2 World Championship winning 86 Acuria Cost Rover, uh, and the current BMW Z4 GT3. The... C2 winning Rover, which I believe is the only world championship winning car with a Rover engine. Uh, it used to sit outside my office window when I worked at RML. There we are. Uh, it's the first weekend in September, and uh, you're not doing anything, uh, but there is the European Le Mans series that weekend. Where uh, is the European Le Mans series that weekend? In Europe. Uh, <laughs> this year is also the 90th anniversary on the 21st yep. of July mm-hmm. of Sir Malcolm Campbell setting the world land speed record uh, in Sunbeam, 150 miles an hour at Pendine Sands. Uh, yes, Sir Malcolm Campbell, yes, yeah, absolutely, Pendine Sands, yes. Pendine Sands. Yes. And to celebrate that... 1,000 horsepower that had, that car. 350 horsepower. 1,000. No, 350. <laughs> 350, yeah. To celebrate the 90th anniversary... Uh, the car will once again be driven no. on the beach at Pendine. By his... Grandson, Don Wales. Yes. He tried to break the world electric land speed he record down the, there. He holds the world electric land speed record. So he obviously succeeded as well as trying. Uh, OK, fine. I know that uh, uh, Paul Lord Dresden holds the um, up to 1,000 kilogram uh, Electric World Land Speed Record, because I was there and saw it happen. Mm. And it was the subject of one of our inside stories, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. What happened when they tried to run it in 1993? What, the... Sunbeam. The Sunbeam. Um, He rolled it into its component parts. Uh, No, there was a blocked oil line, uh, which caused the engine to seize, and uh, the piston and con rod exited through the top. Oh. Yeah, uh, they had an electrical problem, obviously, in Formula <laughs> One parlance. <laughs> uh, it, it's been rebuilt now. Yes, of course it has. Uh, of course it has. The Guernsey charity founded by three-time World Touring Car Champion Andy Prio has been honoured with the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service. And that oh. is what? It is the Prio Premature Baby, I want to say trust, but I'm not sure what it is. Is actually called, and it doesn't say so on the press release. I've got it on Foundation. his card, actually. Foundation, yes. Uh, it's a very, it's funny. David Brabham also is involved in um, a, a Super Prem 
baby to trust as well and this year at Le Mans you'll be able to hear about one of our listeners who's doing a great uh, fundraising effort and we'll hear this during next week's programming on Mobile One Radio Le Mans about how one of our listeners whose life was touched uh, by potential tragedy is raising money for a great uh, charity that allows parents to be close to sick children when they are in hospital and uh, that's a programme that uh, we'll be hearing next week, which I forgot to tell you about the dear Tim, but we're going to add that one to the to the Thanks list. The list. Be- before you give our last thing, um, I've got three tweets that I thought were the best tonight. Go um, on. We had Alan Prosser in Eat, Drink and Be Merry, which I thought was fantastic. Yep. Amp 8888, Formula One gearbox up for ocean. I bet that shifted quickly. Very mm-hmm. good. And Manta Foxtail... The infamous man to Foxtail, Adrian Newey going off to do the new Sail of the Century. Um, spelt with a S-A-I-L, of, of course. Um, I need. Do we need to vote for these? I need very quickly somebody to... Uh, hopefully the responsible adult will tell me which one of those is Tweet of the Week. Ooh. And we'll send something out. Share which one do you think? Manta. Manta. Uh, Jim? Uh, Jim. Tim? <laughs> I go for Adam Prosser's one. Prosser, eat, drink and be merry. Yeah. Yes, I think that's a very good one. Uh, you've got the casting vote, uh, responsible adult. Last story tonight is what? Well, obviously, uh, at the end of the show, we have to finish with this. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. So this week's pointless press release of the week. For the last four years, Kumo has been the sole tyre supplier. Kumo. Kumo. Kumho. Kumho. Not in their adverts. Okay. Has been the sole tyre supplier to the F1 feeder series AutoGP. Right. Is, is AutoGP really an F1 feeder series? Do you get points for your super licence? Uh, you do. Not very many, but you do. Oh, I'm just okay. trying to think who it's actually fed, though. <laughs> Go on, carry on. So what better way to entertain Kumo retailers than inviting them to Silverstone to witness the UK round of this international championship plus a host of other exciting races? Well, I would think take them to an F1 race if you call it an F1 feeder series. Well, that's exactly what the company did. Really? Yes. And then the next line... Excellent. Confirmed from the original. Confirmed the chief host Kumo's motorsport savvy truck tyre manager Steve Miller... Is written by Yoda. Together with our distributor, Mitchell T Retire Services, we hosted 32 guests from 12 different retailers drawn from all over the country. They were not only treated to a pit walkabout and able to watch the weekend's second exciting AutoGP event in the comfort of the Brooklyn Suite, obviously they had to watch the first one somewhere else, but they met the winner of race one and current series leader, 34-year-old Brazilian Antonio Pizzonia. No, no. way! Antonio! Good lad. Uh, an F1 driver from 2003 to 2005 for Jaguar and then Williams, Antonio famously had a narrow escape at the 2003 British Grand Prix when he entered Silverstone's hangar straight flat out to find... A man running across the track in a kilt. That's close enough. What's actually <laughs> written here is scantily clad priest Cornelius Horan. <laughs> Not as close as the... Didn't he have the narrow escape when he rolled a Jaguar uh, X to, uh, S-Type R with a load of uh, journalists in it? Was no, that, that didn't happen, ever, okay. and we're not allowed to talk about it. 
What, other than the fact that I've seen the video that was shot from inside the car? But it didn't happen, and uh, Nick Damon wasn't there to witness it. Yes, OK. Uh, Kumo Silverstone Party also met all three drivers of the Nissan GTR that finished fifth in the Longpan GT round. All very good. Completely randomly. Yeah, right, OK. Because that doesn't run on Kumo tyres, does it? No, not no. at all. Over time, coming up next, it's Inside Continental Tyres at... Uvalde. And, uh, Uvalde. Uvalde. <laughs> uh, Alan Prosser, eat, drink and be merry, is the uh, is the winner of our Tweet of the Week this week. And uh, we'll get something out to you. By the way, if you were a winner of goodie bags from the Christmas quiz, you have been identified. Cheers been through the recording of Transmission. Uh, and we will be getting something out to you after Le Mans, which might just have a little Le Mans goodie or two in it as well. My thanks to Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pruitt, to Shea Adam and to our executive producer up in London, uh, Tim Gray. I'm John Hindhoff. The responsible adult was Eve Hewitt. And there's no time to explain. The Llama is off to... Uvalde. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.